these things never change. It's what we believe, and we're exploring why we believe it. I invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word and join me in Ephesians. Join me in Ephesians, the second chapter. If you have a copy of God's Word or in your devices, uh, if you did not bring one, it's okay. We'll have it on the screen as well, um, as our message for the morning will be coming from the second chapter of Ephesians. When you've made your way there, I want you to understand that this is written to the church, to the saints, to those who have professed their faith in Jesus Christ. It's written to the saints of Ephesus then, it's written to the saints who are here now. And listen to what God's word says. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our bodies and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. And as we continue our series, our doctrinal series, on this day, we want to examine the doctrine of our salvation. Will you bow your heads with me? But Father, we've praised your name. And we've come to recognize you and acknowledge your goodness in our lives. We thank you that you blessed us to once more come into this sacred space where we can turn our attention to your word and we pray that you would condition our minds and our hearts to be receptive soil for the seed of your word, that your word might take root in our lives and that our faith would be stronger as a result of it that we might apply your word to our lives and help others learn to love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's, it's that season. It's that season where gradu graduations are happening all over the community. In fact, if you have somebody in your family that's graduating, just wave at me. Just wave at me. If you have somebody in your family that's graduating, uh, my son just recently graduated along with several of our seniors, and we're just so grateful for God has done and is doing in your lives, and we know that God's going to use you in amazing ways as he navigates your future so you continue to represent him. Well, it just so happened that this week... Um, I told you my son was, was graduating, uh, and I thought, uh, Dr. Al, that it was important for me to get there early. 
And so I got there early, wanted to secure Anthony's seats for everyone because I knew that several of the family members uh, were going to gather in this celebration. And so um, I got there. And, and, and as I was making my way to the gate, there was a lady who knew me from the church. In fact, she acknowledged me. She said, um, hey, pastor. Uh, and, you know, when, when you're a part of Champion Forest, uh, you know, that could be anybody anywhere. And, and so I, I, I acknowledged her back and I said, oh, good to see you. What campus are you from? Um, and, and, and after the small talk, you would have thought that she would just let me go by. <laughs> but that's not what happened, because as I was trying to get by, Kim, you won't believe this. She said, uh, uh, Pastor, where's your ticket? <laughs> well, I, I called ahead, Tim, and I, I asked Keanu to, to, to send me a picture um, of the, the graduation ticket. I figured, you know, the digital age, I should be able to walk in. And besides, you know me. <laughs> and I showed her the phone. She said, that's nice, but everybody needs a ticket. I was arrested in that moment. I really was. Because regardless of who I knew, I couldn't get in. Regardless of the fact that a dear friend of mine is on the school board and was on stage, I couldn't get in without a ticket. The fact that she knew me and was at the gate she wouldn't let me in because, Nisha, I didn't have, didn't have a ticket. You know, a lot of us, those listening online, we, we may know some people who have their ticket. We may know some people who even got in. But unless you have a ticket for yourself. Oh, you, you think I'm still talking about graduation, huh? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, therefore being saved. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter who you know who does have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you will not get in. I want to press that because... Many of us believe that if we have a knowledge of Christ, we'll have access. But I'm not talking about a head knowledge. I'm talking about a personal, heart-invested relationship with Christ Jesus. Because in order to be a part of the church and be a part of the celebration, you have to be a part of the family of God. And this is how we become a part of the family of God, that God gifts us with his grace to be saved. I hope you get this, because we're saved by God's grace, not by our goodness or our performance. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. None of us are good enough to get in on our own. No, we need God's grace. And I told you, this, this letter is written to who? 
I got some people listening in here. It's written to the church. In fact, this is somewhat of a circular letter. So it, when it went to the church at Ephesus, it would then be passed down to other congregations. So all of the congregations in that vicinity would be able to read this letter. And when you see this letter, particularly the second chapter, it's important to understand what the Holy Spirit wants us to see here. He wants us to not have amnesia about our history. Oh, okay. All right. See, Fred, I knew right when I started talking about history that people might not go with me. But let me just check for one moment. Just by, let me take a Gallup poll just in the house. Um, um, how many of us have a relationship with Jesus Christ and are saved? It's okay if you're not, but if you are, I just want to see your hand. I want to see your hand. Okay, I'm happy that you raised your hand. Now the question that Beck's answering is, what did he save you from? See, for some reason, sometimes we try to operate in our lives as though our lives have always been the way it is in a relationship to Christ. And so when we come to the church and we come to the text, uh, sometimes we don't read ourselves, don't see ourselves in the text. But don't miss this. He's talking to believers. And look what he says. He says, and you, somebody say you. Don't point to nobody, point to yourself. He said, you were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Check it out right there. He says that all of us have something in common. Here it is. That if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you do have a past. Okay, I see some of you right now. I see you, I see you. You're saying to yourself, now, now, Pastor, uh, um, don't, don't be bringing up my past, you know, my my past is just that. My past is my, my past. And so what happens is you pretend like you don't have one. But the truth is, God's word says that when we came into the world, when you started the journey of life, you started off, off. I hope you get this. Because all of us were stained with sin. We were infected with it from the first man, Adam, and Eve, and, and it continued on down the human line that even though you're born, uh, you, are, you are born, as David says, in sin and shaping in iniquity. I, I know when you see the babies, they're nice and cute and cuddly, and, and you want to hold them and you want to keep them until they start having that fragrance that, <laughs> that only those who love them would take them. And then if you've been around them long enough, you didn't know that you don't have to teach them how to be disobedient. You don't have to teach them how to lie. You don't teach them how, how to be selfish. It just comes naturally to them because the truth is sin is in all of them and in all of us. Look at how he defines it. He said that we were dead in our trespasses and sin in which we once walked following the course of the world. Look what he says. Following the prince of the power of the air. Now, if you were with us on last week, we talked about spiritual wickedness. We talked about that unseen world. And check out what the text says. The text says that before you were in Christ, you were being obedient to something but not to him. I'm in there. He says, because you were being controlled, we were being controlled by the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience. And just in case you disconnect there, he says, in whom we all once lived the passion of our flesh, carrying our desires of our bodies and our minds uh, were the na by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He, he paints a grim picture, doesn't he? Uh, he paints a grim picture of what the unbeliever is like. 
If you really look at it, he says that you have no feelings, you have no life, we had no sense of godliness, and everything we did was being led by the ungodly. I see you. You're saying, wait a minute, but I wasn't that bad. Let me help you understand something, that when you're in sin, you are in sin. It doesn't matter if you're close to the shore or far away from the shore. If you're in it, you're in it. And as long as you're in it, then you are going to be part of those who are stained by it. But check it out. He says that we were sinking in it. Get this. You're born in it. And if God doesn't get you out of it, you'll die in it. Work for a moment here. Kind of reminds me of, of Peter when Peter was, um, was on that boat and Jesus came in the middle of the storm. Uh, that, that's back in uh, Matthew, the 14th chapter. Um, Peter comes out in the middle of the storm. Uh, and the Bible says then Peter, uh, he saw the wind uh, and he became afraid. He became afraid. Uh, he began to sink. Now check it out. He became, he, him sinking in a physical water is just like us sinking in sin. And there it was. He was sinking, but check it out. He turns to the Lord and he says, Lord, save me. I love this text because it wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't God, here I am. No, he just said, listen, I need intervention and I need it right now. I need you, God, to save me. Don't miss this, you all. Because when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, when we are in the family of God, it is not initiated when you think you've made a decision. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. It's when God chooses to intervene in your affairs. Because without God's intervention, all of us are in the same destination. For the wages of sin is... Some of you know it. It's death. That's, that's not just some exclusive sins or some selective sins. That's all sins included. That if you sin, the consequence for sin is death. Separation from God. No longer in fellowship. That's the consequence of sin. And guess what? All of us have sinned. But here's the good news. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm still in text because check it out. He says, yeah, you were dead. You were without feeling. And this means something, Felicia. It means then if I'm without feeling, I can't detect God. Because when you are ungodly, you don't recognize the things of God. But here's the other deal. Unless God reveals himself to you and pull the blindness off your eyes, you won't be able to know God. But when he does remove the blinders, then you have a decision to make. And that's whether or not you're going to be in a relationship with him. Check out the text. He says, uh, but God. You, you your Bible, you ought to unline that, highlight it. You ought to have that all circled in your Bible. Anytime you see that word, those two words come together, you know something's about to happen. It's, it's but God. I, I know you were dead in sin, but guess what? God saw us dead in sin, and even though he saw us dead in sin, look at the text. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. I think sometimes we don't really understand exactly how good this is. Sometimes I'm shouting on the inside for you because the reality is what he's picturing here is that we couldn't save ourselves. We were 
We were desolate. There's nothing that we could do to save ourselves. But check it out. But even though we were dead, putrid, um, objects of God's wrath, even though we were not in relationship with God, God chose to make you alive anyway. Uh, let, let, see, let me help you, help you understand this. He, 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 he intervenes. That's what he did. He, he intervened. And, and I had to get some, some biblical um, testimonies out for us to understand God's intervention, that when we're dead and he just comes on the scene, like in Mary Magdalene's case, she wasn't looking for Christ, but Christ was looking for her. And she was filled with demonic influences, and Christ didn't want her to live that way. And so he intervened in her life and delivered her from her demonic influences. Okay, that didn't get you. But in Zacchaeus, he was looking for Christ. He climbed up a tree to look for Christ, and even though he was looking for Christ, Christ saw him, and Christ entered his life. Oh, that's not enough for you? Well, let me tell you then. Saul was on the wrong, going the wrong way on the right road, on the road to Damascus. He thought he was doing the right thing, thought he was going in the right way, and God intervened in his life and turned his life all around. Okay, let me help you understand something then. Some of us right now, we can be honest about it. We didn't find God, discover God in the church. Some of us, we were in the middle of depression and about to give up and God stepped into our lives. Some of us, somebody walked out on us and that's when we realized God walked in to save us. God is in the saving business because check out the text. He says, while we were unattractive, while we still had some things messed up, that God didn't wait for you to get it right for him to start loving you. I hope you see this here, because truly, uh, we live in a transactional society, and so people now, they only do things for you if they figure they can get something from you, uh, and people uh, have conditional kind of adoration and love for other people, because as soon as you don't measure up to what they think you ought to measure up to, then they figure you don't deserve their love. But one thing I love about God is that God, in his love, he doesn't run out of love. It's right there in the text, because he says that while we were dead, that God, he made us alive. But check out before that, God being rich in mercy because of his great love he has for us. Check it. You don't have enough dirt to make God stop loving you. God loves you. God loved you before you ever learned how to love him. Because for John says that God loved us first. And look at our condition when he chose to love us. You were still wretched. We were still undone. And yet God loved. I keep saying you. I keep saying you as though you were the only one. And that's really how, how he starts. He started that way. He said that you were dead in your trespasses. But Paul's a pastor. And so he knows then he has to include himself in that too. So then he says, we were dead in our trespasses. Don't get this thing twisted. Just because somebody's being used on the platform doesn't mean uh, they, they were in any better condition than you were before you came to Christ. All of us were in the same dead condition, and God in his love chose chose to intervene in our lives to gift us with salvation. He, he intervenes. Uh, you know why? Because John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Christ said, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Because 
In Adam, we all died, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. I hope you get this, that in Christ, those who are dead are given life. Okay, let me put it this way. Those who are without hope, those who are without joy, those who are without a future, those who are without forgiveness are given forgiveness, are given joy, are given hope because they're in Christ Jesus. And if you've come to Christ and you know that your skeletons were in your closet and there's still dirt on your shoulders and there's some stuff that you still don't got right and you came to Christ and he accepted you the way that you are, then you are part of that group where he says, you are in me and you're made alive in me and your trespasses in Christ are forgiven. Hear me. When you come to Jesus Christ, you're coming because he's given you the gift of grace. I hope you get this. Let me see if he's in here. I can pick on him. Uh, Well, he's not in here, so I can't pick on him. Um, So so I was checking something out, right? I told you my my son graduated. I was checking something out. Uh, He was graduated, and and there was a container uh, that we had on the table. Uh, So when our our friends gathered in, they came in, uh, there was a container for gifts. There's a container for gifts. Um, and we noticed something, that every single time a gift went in that container, my son quickly got that gift out. <laughs> now, I, I know it's because he loves to read the cards. <laughs> but every time that gift came, he pulled that gift out. And I, thought, I started thinking when, when, when I looked at that, because I knew that, that we were going here, by grace you have been saved and seated um, with Christ, is what he says, and seated with Christ between 4 and 7. But check it out. In the gifts he received, he didn't know what was in the gift. He had to open up the gift to discover it. But look how good God is. God tells you the gift he's going to give you. He tells you that the gift I'm giving you is salvation from sin. The gift I'm giving you, check it out, is to position you in Christ Jesus so that when God sees us in Christ, he gives us the benefit of being in Christ. I hope you catch this, that everything that God has in Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the, 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 the innocence of Christ, when we are seated in the position with Christ, we get the benefits of being with Christ, which means when God sees you, before he sees you, he sees Christ upon you. Before he judges you, he looks at Christ, and Christ says, I have uh, died for all their sins, and they're cleansed, and they're forgiven, and God says, oh, wait a minute, I see you're already in the family. Come here, I'm trying to help you understand something, that when you are in Christ, I love this, by the work of Christ, then you are in the family of Christ. Wait a minute, we haven't done anything yet, have we? No, God did the initiative. God did the intervention. God chose you before you chose him, and God chose to put you in his family. Uh, Okay, Uh, you forgot what you were, huh? You forgot what you looked like. You forgot what you did. The truth is, we don't deserve to be in God's family, and yet God loved us enough to say, you know what, despite what you've done, you still qualify to be in my family because my son has died for you. This, this, this is what salvation is. It's, it's a gift. And, and I, I was so affirmed by this text because Paul's also not only a pastor, but he's a preacher. I know he's a preacher because he keeps repeating himself. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Peace be. First of all, he says, remember, uh, you were, verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses. And then in verse 5, he says, we were dead in our trespasses. He, he don't want you to forget that. But check out the good news that he doesn't want to forget. He says, but by grace, you have been saved. And then he repeats it, just in case Satan tries to cause you to think that if you sin one day, all of a sudden you lose your salvation. He says, no, if you're in Christ, by grace you have been saved through faith. That means then that if you're in the family of God, there's nothing you can do to get you out of the family of God. There's nothing you did to get in the family of God. Christ did all the work, and when you come to Christ, you're automatically in the family. And when you're in the family, guess what? You are in the family. Nobody can disown you. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He said, if your mother and your father forsake you, I will not forsake you because when you're in the family of God, you're in the family of God. Oh, we get this. He says, by grace you have been saved. Mm. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift. Somebody say a gift. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works. So no one may boast. I love this. So salvation is not a reward. It's a gift that we receive. And gifts are given. They're not earned. Uh, I want you to help understand something. Uh, that, that, that God initiated the whole process of salvation. And he tells us that when we are saved, we're saved only because of his gift of grace. Mm, check it. Which means then, when you are saved, you are eternally secured. Mm. That, that when you're in the hand of God, there is nothing that can be done to get you out of his hands. You are eternally secured. If no one wants to validate your relationship with God, it doesn't even matter what they choose to validate. As long as you know God for yourself, your relationship with God is eternally secure. You don't have to hope and wish. You don't, you don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to think, okay, I got, I, 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 maybe I lost my salvation. No. No, no, no. Because if any person's in Christ, we are new creations. Right? It says, old things pass away, but all things become new. And it's all done by his grace. Jesus told the woman at Samaria in John 4 and 10, he said, If you knew the gift of God, who is, is it that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Catch it. He says, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that is asking you for a drink. So Christ says the gift of God, the gift that is grace has a name and his name is Jesus. And when you call on Jesus, the word of God says you shall be saved. This is what he offers to us. Because we establish the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so when you see the offer of salvation, that's in Christ. Christ then invites you to come and join him in life. As he leads your life into the destiny that God has already ordained for your life. I'm still in the text. Because the way he says he says, now, you can't boast about it, but the latter part, 9 and 10, he says, for we are 
his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Don't miss this. That the, pur- the, the purpose of your salvation is that God wants to use you to do good works. I, I hope you catch this. And it's good works that he thought beforehand when he knew that he was going to save you. Check it now. That salvation then didn't start when we make a decision for Christ. The salvation started when God made a decision for us in eternity. And then you, it, you, he intervened your life as you were living your life. And now you discover life being saved by Christ, freed from sin, freed from guilt, freed from, from remorse, knowing that in Christ you are a new creation. And when we do that, we start living for Christ because of what Christ has already done for us. And there are times we get this thing inverted. There are times in which we want to work in order to be saved. But you can't work enough to be saved. The other thing is, what what happens is when Christ enters your life, you work because you are saved. I hope you catch this. Because your good works is really your expression of gratitude for what God has already done for you. I want to make sure you catch this. We need to understand that the source of our salvation is by God's grace alone. We need to understand that the means of our salvation is through faith, which is also a gift from God. And all of it comes from God and is secured by God. And when you understand the purpose of your salvation then God calls you to accomplish good works for his glory. This is what he's called us to do. Good works, not on the grounds of salvation, but as the goal of our salvation. Good works is salvation's fruit, it's not its root. Don't miss it. We don't work for it. We work because we already have it. Uh, when I was uh, in college, um, a little while ago, but when I was in college, um, uh, I had a favorite professor. Any of y'all had a favorite professor in school? Any, any of y'all had, had a favorite, favorite teacher? Let me tell you why I had a favorite teacher. This is my favorite teacher. Because I, every class he, he taught, I was sure to take. Because every class he would announce on the first day of class, all of you have an A in this class. Hmm? He said, 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 all of you have an A in this class. Now, now he said, said now, you have, Dr. Al, you don't do it that way? Uh, he says, everybody has an A because you are a part of the class. Mm, I love this. It was, it was seminary. So catch out, check this seminary lesson. He said, now, in order to keep your A, you have to keep coming to class. So guess what I did? I kept coming to class. I didn't always understand everything in the class. I'll be honest with you. I didn't understand everything in the class. But even though I didn't understand it, I kept coming to class. Last Last day of class, we had a comprehensive final. Now, I know some of you are going to lose you right here because you don't know nothing about that blue book. Um, <laughs> the blue book was just a booklet with empty pages in it. This wasn't no multiple choice. This wasn't true and false. It meant you have to answer every question with an essay. And I was struggling. I was struggling because I this particular comprehensive final was the majority of the percentage to pass the class. But he said I already had an A. But I knew I was going to, 
Anybody, you ever, you ever look at a test and you just know you're going to fail it? You just, <laughs> like, like the only answer I got right was the top one, name. You know? <laughs> I want to forget this. I didn't know all the answers. Truthfully, Doug, I, I probably got them all, all wrong. But on the last page, he said, remember I told you, if you keep coming, you always have an A. He said, so if you only want me to judge the last page, I want you to draw a line across that page and write the word grace. I drew a line across that page. <laughs> I wrote the word grace. And grace covered everything that I didn't get right. In this life, we get a lot of things wrong. We make mistakes. We sin. We, we miss the mark. And God knows that we can't do it on our own. But he said, before this life ends, make sure that on your last page, you wrote the word grace. That means I came to God just like I am. I came to Christ saying, I need you to save me. Because I can't do it on my own. I can't save myself. And the good news is that Jesus came and did just that. You see, he, he paid the price for our sins. That when we believe in him, trust in him, have faith in him, then we receive his grace. And that grace gets you in the family. Because that grace is your ticket to get in. And how do I get that grace? I told you that grace has a name. His name is Jesus. I invite you to bow your heads all over this building. The Word of God says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We, we didn't follow the things of God because we weren't living under the Spirit of God. But God, who is rich in mercy, and rich in love gave us a way to be rescued and set free. If you are not set free, you know you're not set free because you're still carrying the guilt. You're not set free because you're still trying to, to prove your own way out of it. God wants you to be set free today by his amazing grace. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. And then I'm going to encourage you to stand, come forward to say yes to accepting the grace of God. And I assure you, I promise you, your life will never be the same. So, Father, here we are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. 
We thank you that in Christ Jesus, we can find forgiveness of our sins. We can find hope. We can find security in you. We can discover all the love you have for us. And we can discover the freedom that's in him. So right now, Father, those who are far from you, I ask you to draw them closer to you. Those who hadn't said yes to you, I ask God that you would, you would lead them to say yes today so that they can live the life that you've called for them to live, that they can be set free and made new. And I ask God that you do that all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're making a decision right now, would you just stand? We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.